0: Do you want to start a thriving real estate career but don't know where and how to start? Do you want to become a successful realtor or investor but lack the required knowledge and skills? Gear yourself up with the best and actionable advice here on The Real Estate Rundown. Tune in as Shannon Robnett talks with industry veterans about all kinds of asset classes, market trends, challenges, management techniques, and success stories. Listen to informative discussions with valuable tips that will serve as the foundation for your incredible real estate venture. Now, here's your host, Shannon Robnett. Hey
1: everybody, welcome to the Real Estate Rundown. I have a special guest on my show today who has got a great podcast called the Bulletproof Pot- Cashflow Podcast. And if you haven't checked it out, you need to do that. I was a guest on there had a great time talking with him, convinced him to come on my show. So, Agostino Pintos, welcome to the show. Hey, man. Thanks for inviting me. Greatly appreciate it. So, guys, we have already been chatting for about 20 minutes. We had to pull that off. We were redoing. or We threw the entry on because we have such a great time talking because we have so much in common. And we've done a lot of the same thing. So- if you'd tell my audience a little bit about how you got here, what you're doing now, where you, you know, where you came from, what got you into investing and what got you into cash flow and the way that you do your stuff.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. So thanks again for having me on. I really appreciate it. Always have a great time talking to you. Like you said, man, I think it's two kindred spirits. That's why I that's yeah, really like this. Stuff. For sure. So, well, here's the, th- here's the thing. I used to work in corporate a long time ago, like 15, 16 years ago, I was working in corporate and just didn't, didn't. Like it, I, I just I've been I've had the entrepreneurial spirit since I was a kid, but yet mommy and daddy said, go to corporate. That's where you need to be. That's how you get rich. They be do any better? Yeah, be safe, right? And you know they they were they were immigrants from Italy, and you have to get a professional degree. I was an engineer. That's my background, right? The thing is, I was never, I mean, I did, I excelled. I was at the C level many, many times, but I just did not like it. That was not my bag. And I was introduced to real estate, like I said, 17 years ago. First, I was doing small single family acquisition, renting it out, then a small multifamily stuff. And I was doing some of that. 2008 hit, stopped for a while. I got a little bit scared from doing all that and really took a, took a, Bit of a hiatus. Managed what I had. Took a bit of a hiatus, but then decided when I got back into you know working in corporate again and doing all this stuff, it's like I kept on. I guess I didn't like having my fate in the hands of someone else, especially those who don't like
1: me, right? That's most most entrepreneurs don't like that, right? I mean, when somebody else can can get word from the bean counters and all of a sudden your job's no longer, or you know you're you're going to Alabama to work on a project or going to North Dakota or wherever, you know. Nobody likes that, especially us with entrepreneurial spirits.
2: Well, here, Shannon, here's the thing, all right? The higher you go up in the ladder of corporate, the bigger the target on your back. Absolutely. So what does that mean, right? So now all you have is big target on your back. And the reason why is because you have more responsibility. You have a big, big paycheck, right? You're getting paid yep. a lot of money from these guys, right? And in the case of where I was, I was a high income earner. I was kicking ass, was doing great things until one day... The guy who hired me takes off new guy comes in one of my guys did a mistake I get blamed for it I get riffed. I had nothing to do with it in terms of the, the actual incident but the thing is it's like I'm not I'm not trying to shun responsibility either but it's like it's this is this is the corporate world and I'm thinking to myself how many more times am I going to allow someone else to dictate my future and the future of my family yeah I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore.
1: Well, and you know, like you said, climbing the corporate ladder, You know, I've heard it said often that a paycheck is the bribe that your employer gives you to give up on your personal dreams, right? Yep. And the reality is the more they require of you, the higher you go up the ladder, the more vulnerable you are, the more they've got to pay you to convince you of that. But <laughs> it's a double-edged sword, right? And then what most of America does is they go out and they go, wow, I just got a 5% raise. Let's raise my consumer debt by 5%. Let's raise my payments and obligation by 5%. Let's live, let's continue to live paycheck to paycheck, getting the good life now, where we've taken that and we've now conv- converted ourselves into an indentured servant where we can't leave if we want to, right? That's right. That is the corporate dream for the employee, right? That That's is right. the that is the dream that they have is to make you so dependent on them that even doesn't matter how bad they treat you, most people would have taken you at your position. You're out. They would have gone right back in, jumped right back in somebody else's train, worked their way up that ladder, tried to figure out how to get to the top of that deal, you know. And that's just what corporate America's convinced us of, right? That's right. That's, that's the safety. That's the safety we we all get offered, right? But you know
2: what, Shannon? There's one more messed up part that I realized from getting getting the box, the GTFO box, or the GTFO box.
1: Oh yeah, right? yeah. It's not a right? sports car, boys and girls, okay? It's no, not.
2: <laughs> right. But here's the thing. The higher up you go in the ladder, the more money you get paid, right? So now if you're at the C-level, C- you're a C-level yep. person, okay? And you get riffed. So I got to start all over again, start setting out resumes. It isn't like there's a ton of those jobs out there. Yep. And there's like, at the C-level, if I want a CIO job, there's a handful of jobs that might suit me that are actually available right now, right? Yep. And that means that I'm comp- and I'm competing with a lot of other smart people. Like, if you're going to make right. it to the C level, you're not an idiot. You're you're typically right. a pretty smart person to get up there to begin with, right? Yeah. So it's like, yeah, man. I mean, who wants a life like that? I, I right. mean, maybe when I was a young guy, uh, maybe I, I, I think it's just to your point. I was probably sold a dream. You know, that's that's right. what it was. It's it's you know, there's so much more to life than just doing that, and th- that's why I got into real estate. And once yeah. I learned how to syndicate deals, how to put deals together, that changed everything, right? I, I I was sitting outside, I was sitting in my car. I got riffed again, right, at this company, right? And so I decided to sell off some assets and try to figure out what I'm going to do next because I knew they didn't want to do that, right? Yeah. I was a CIO. I went to Virginia to start selling off some assets. And I remember sitting in my car, staring outside the window. I still see the building, actually. It's funny. It was a little 30-init 30 build, 30 building. Looking outside the window and I'm like, I happen to be on the phone with a real estate attorney, a new friend. And I said, Hey, you know, who owns these 38 unit buildings? These big, like I, I thought they were big. Big apartments are 30 units is that big, right? And and you know, keep in mind I've done single family, I've done other stuff like that, but I'd never done anything like this before. Anyway, so I, I said, Who owns this? And he goes, What do you mean who owns it? People own it. I go, What people? He goes, They're Banks? What they? He goes, No, 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 individuals. They they syndicate it. I go, What's syndicate? Right. What's what's that? He explained what syndication was, and I'm like, Well, I could do that. I mean, yep. I wasn't afraid of the numbers, I wasn't afraid of talking to people, I wasn't afraid of any of that stuff because I was kind of accustomed to that being in corporate. So, I decided to learn how to do that. I, I did it the hard way, you know. I didn't have a coach, I didn't know what coaching was. And like, there were back then, there weren't any like gurus the way they are today. And even today, the gurus that are out there are most of them are garbage. Or have never each actually done a deal before, those right? The that,
1: they love like, to see, teach, right? Those that can't teach, right? Those that can't yeah. keep, teach
2: do. That's right. And a lot, right. a lot of those guys, right? right? Tons of those people, right? Or you get into a program where the <laughs> the coach does, has never even done a deal before? Like I, right. I can't even fathom that, right? Right. I learned it on my own. That's how I did it. Right. And I learned it on my own. Got into the first deal the way I the way I did it was to find a guy. That did it before, had some success, deliver value first to him, and then found, found a kick-ass deal and asked him, Hey, do you wanna come in with me on this deal? And right. He did.
1: You know, and that's and that's the model that I I tell everybody, you know, look, you've got to be important to important people, right? You've got to be with the movers and shakers. You've got to be in a room full of doers. Not a not a not at at a conference desk way in the back, trying to take notes on what you're supposed to do. You've got to actually get your hands dirty and do this. And, you know, your journey sounds very similar to mine. You know, I was doing deals, you know, I was doing, you know, 180 unit apartment deals with a single investor, right? And then my investor decided he didn't want to play anymore. He had some other things he wanted to do, blah, blah, blah. And so now I'm I got my deck steel lined up. I need $15 million. My golden goose just decided to fly the coop. So I had to go out and figure out what syndication was too. And to your point, you know, it's simple. It's a partnership. It is people that aggregate for the the reason to be the money behind a deal, behind a general partner who is going to do all the work, that's going to deliver the goods, that has the track record, that's been in the game. And, you know, that's what a lot of people are finding out, unfortunately, the hard way right now is that there's there's a lot that goes into a resume. There's a lot that goes into getting where you are. And I, I gotta tell you, man, you know there's a there's a really good book that I love, and it, it's called Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. or sometimes you win, sometimes you learn. And it's I'm I'm the author's name is escaping me right now, but it talks about guys like you and I that look, we're not afraid to take the chances and learn and take the knocks. but with that we continue to improve. And in the way that we do it, you started out with single family, you started out with small multifamily, you did these things on your own with your capital. And once you felt confident in what your ability was to to action on those items, then you went to the next step, right? right. You went to the next step of becoming important to someone that was doing what you want to do. You know, the one time I recommend that people get a job and, and don't get mad at me, buddy. Come on now. The one time I recommend that people get a job is to find what they what they are passionate about and go work for that person that is also passionate about it, that's built the machine that you want and work for them and find out all the parts and pieces, just like you did, right? You didn't do it as an employee, but you know, there's people that want that employment status. Get that done. And then once you have that, now you've got taught that. You got paid to learn instead of going to college and paying to learn, or instead of going and and getting with a guru or coach, and there are a lot of great coaches and there's a lot that aren't, we're going to leave it at that. But the reality is, man, your track is so similar to mine and it came with a depth of knowledge. I'm going to guess that you wouldn't have gotten had you not beat your head against the wall and found the solutions. Tell me about that.
2: Yeah, man, a hundred percent. I mean, that's a thing. I mean, I went through a lot of books I went through so many programs. I went through Carlton Sheets, man. You know Carlton Sheets, remember that guy from the seventies? Yep. Right. Like subject to, yeah, subject to, like how to put deals together, single family homes and stuff like that. I used those same strategies to take down a 200 unit building. Same strategies. It doesn't matter. It's the same thing. Just add zeros, right? Right. But what we ended up doing is we grew this portfolio from literally zero to 1,600 units in and around Cleveland, right? of just B and C type assets. Mm-hmm. And then what I end up doing from there is scaling out to development. So now we also, this is the biggest part of our business today, is either ground up development or adaptive reuse, but I'm specifically doing urban infill. That means, yeah. I, I know you know what that means, so I'll tell oh, the yeah. audience. Our urban infill is when you already have a city, they're already working, there's already employees, there's jobs, everything is taking place. And I like to, I like to position our properties in areas where there's already a lot of traffic. Where there's traffic, there's money. If there's traffic right. there, there's people, yep. we're transacting, I wanna be there. That's where I wanna be. So yeah. typically the property is a little more money, but it's okay, you're gonna right. make it up in terms of value, evaluation, right? That's what well, and
1: And you're also buying safety, you know, you're buying insurance. I mean, look, you can buy a cheaper piece of land at the edge of town and hope the town grows that way. But every 10 years, uh, every city redoes their comp plan because what they thought was gonna happen didn't quite happen that way. And they've got to look at what's around. And they got to redraw it and and come up with new ideas. Where you're going into that area and you're going into the infill, you know, some people call it infill, some people call it gentrification. There's a lot of different terms for it, but the reality is, you're picking a targeted area where you know the the income is there, you know the jobs are there, you know the drivability, the walkability, the amenities, you know the the, the goods and services, the restaurants. You literally and people. You know, I, I, I laugh all the time because people go, oh, infill, that's got to be harder, right? No, you can stand on the property and with Google Maps, tell everybody you're 1.2 miles from this college. You're 1.3 miles from City Hall. You're here, you're here, you're here, you're here. Not that goods and services are coming, right? Oh, look, this is only a 30-minute commute. Oh, look, this is a four-minute walk, right, from major employers. And so in a lot of ways, you're right. You're paying more. Or you could look at it that you're buying insurance by knowing where you're going and knowing what's already around you and knowing that, hey, we've hit the dot. We know right where we're at. We know who our customer is. We know what they want. We know what they don't have in the immediate area. So in a lot of ways, it makes it a lot easier. It's just maybe a little bit more regulation because it's inside a developed city. Maybe it's a little bit more cost and acquisition and construction and reconstruction because of you know, parking issues, storage issues, things like that, while you're doing your projects. But at the end of the day, it's definitely, in my opinion, a a, a much easier route to go in a lot of ways than going out to the edge of town and, and doing a development out there.
2: Hundred percent. I mean, the the most things that or most things that people get a, get really worried out about is the level of risk and development, and right. the key is to de-risk as much as you can, and the urban right. infill model does that, and additionally. One thing that we did on the multifamily business over here is that I have a kick-ass team. I have, the, the, I have great attorneys, I have great lender partners, I have yeah. great brokers. I have, these guys are the best I can find. Right? right? I do the same model over here in the development side, and on our net lease business too. But on the development, I mean, I find the best guys that have the connections to the city that can that can get things done with the city. The last thing you want to do is funny. I, I know guys that bring in attorneys from Columbus to do deal stuff here to do deals here in Cleveland. Dumb, stupid. Why would you do that? Like, why would you introduce a brand new person who's never been here, who doesn't even know the the area, to a brand new city? It's stupid. Don't do that. You know, that's you're introducing risk that's totally unnecessary, right? Yep. There's great attorneys here. That's who we use. We use the great, greatest, the best guys I could find that are known brands. And they know the people that can help make decisions with the city. That's who I that's who we use. And then we also kicked off our net lease fund. We have a blind pool net lease asset fund. We acquire single tenant net lease deals, Dollar General, Dollar Tree, Walgreens, the brands that people know, love, and trust. So, so between these three different different asset classes, they have three different return targets, right? Yeah. Obviously the multifamily is, you know, the, the bread and butter. Quarterly returns, that type of thing. It's a little choppy. the Any, anybody that tells you that B and C assets are not choppy are liars. Okay, they are. Right, right <laughs> but It's right. the nature of the asset, right? Yep. The development stuff, as you already know, it's it takes a while. But after you you do the refi, you pull out, you squeeze out all that juice, and you get nice, nice juicy squeeze from that deal, right? The the, the, yep. the investors are happy, the banks are happy, Airbase happy, right? But it right. takes a little bit to get that money. On the net lease business, it's a monthly return. It's it's you know it's a risk adjusted return it's not crazy but you know what you'll never get rich like doing doing multifamily unless or sorry doing doing net lease unless you're doing it in a big big way like we plan on doing it but you know what if you're looking for a nice steady monthly return that you know is going to come in not worried about it that's what you do you do net right. lease right so we offer these three these three different vehicles to our investors to to jump on in you know so. Yeah, man. I mean, it's, it's, it's been, it's been a wild ride and I'll tell you, I mean, not every day is sunshine and rainbows. And, and no, then, you know, it that says that it's, it's full, it's full
1: of shit. But, but, yeah, but <laughs> you know, the other reality is too, when you look at it, you know, you're looking at, you know, not trying to be the one size fits all, right? Correct. I, I, mean, yeah. I hear this all the time. I got a deal. Okay. Does your investor base like that deal? Is that something that they're looking for? And and you know, we we do the same thing. I mean, you know, look, there's three types of investors. You know this. There's those that are looking for tax advantages, there's those that are looking for appreciation, and there's those that are looking for cash flow. Trying to get a deal that makes all three people happy is like me trying to play in the NBA. I'm not 6'8, I'm not good at shooting a basketball. I can wish all I want, it ain't gonna work. But if you're looking at it like you are, where you're going, hey, I've got this type, I've got this type, and I've got this type, you're able to get people a choice. Where they don't feel like they're walking in. And there's only one pair of shoes on sale, right? You got to get in this deal. It's an awesome deal. It may be, but if I'm 63 years old and I'm looking to retire in two years, an appreciation deal is not a great deal for me. I might want to look at some tax savings so I can maybe grab some some passive uh, losses to roll over so I can carry those into retirement. Maybe that's a good deal. But you know, trying to make that one size fits all, I see that happen so often, and it's not always the best. You know, there's always different things that you can do. So that's a very smart thing and and that's understanding your investor pool and that's adapting to what they need because like you and I know, they all underwrite. There's different nuances with with each one about how does a value add underwrite versus a stabilized asset, right? What about a triple net industrial deal or or you know, net lease with a Walgreens, you know? Walgreens is great. There's one in my town that's been vacant for 15 years. They got three years left on the lease or four years left on the lease. At that point, the investor's got a problem. But for the last 15 years, he's been getting paid. You know, it's all corporately guaranteed. So you have different risk adjusted opportunities for people, but they also have to adjust their return, right? And this is some of the things that we're seeing some people not not quite acclimating to today, because we saw such a climb over the last couple of years with money being inexpensive and things like that, where returns were great. And if you could get them, man, more power to you. The market did us a ton of good. We took advantage of some of those. We sold deals we were holding for 10 years in 20 months because the the money was there. Right. But wow. you have to understand what is that risk versus reward ratio and, and be able to get there. Right. What are you seeing with your investment group right now, as far as how they're Let's call it reacclimating to the norm.
2: Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, I'm glad you mentioned the whole appreciation thing because there's a reason why we call the show Bulletproof Cash Flow and not Bulletproof Appreciation. Because if anybody says that appreciation is guaranteed, again, they're full of crap. A lot of these guys, they do that. They build in these crazy appreciation to their models. Back when, what, two years ago, there's a deal actually I'm thinking about right now. You probably saw the deal too. I'm sure you did. Yeah. I don't want to say it on here, but but I mean, clearly, they're not, there's no way to hit the return target today, right? Because they're counting on a crazy uplift in, in terms of valuation on the asset to unload it to some other sucker to overpay for it. Right. Greater sucker theory, right? We don't do those deals. Like we just we've never done those deals. I don't do those deals, right? And it, I so the thing is, though, here in Cleveland, this is a cash flow market. That's all it is, right? Can you expect appreciation? Sure, right? But I don't count on appreciation. I I never build in appreciation, right? And here's the thing. There's assets that we bought. I paid literally, Shannon, listen, I paid 30K a door for some of these assets. And now the same asset is close to 60, right? Right. I did not underwrite for
1: that. Right, (laughs) right. Right. Yeah, but you you love it when the market makes you look like a genius, right? That's right. I mean that's, right. that's like accidentally remembering somebody's birthday, right? I mean you you, you can't get luckier.
2: But that's right, that's right. But the thing is it always cash flowed from day one, right? So right. that's that's what the investors were accustomed to. And that's that's the expectation I laid out. And I think a big part of whenever it comes to especially especially investor relations is laying out what the overall plan is and telling them this is how it's gonna be and sticking right. to the plan, right? And then giving them updates on a regular basis if you're
1: not able to fulfill the plan and what, what you're gonna do about it. You know? And I know that's that's absolutely right. I mean, you've gotta communicate, right? I mean, look, we're we're forecasting something that's gonna come in the next five years, right? Most of my deals are, are underwritten four to seven years long, right? Because that gives you enough runway to adjust for things. But the other side of that is you've gotta have constant communication. And if you're not having constant, honest communication or you're not getting constant, honest communication from your general partner, That should be a huge red flag because there's, if, if everybody says, oh yeah, same like always, everything's working perfectly. It's not true. True. It's absolutely not true. And it can't be true. You know, you've got, you've got a deal you just mentioned that went 60 or 30 to the good, right? You've also got a deal that was supposed to double or was supposed to do X and it didn't do it for four years or five years, right? I mean, there's, there's time but that's also the thing about real estate with good communication with your partners and time real estate does change and it does it does cycle it ebbs and flows right so that's right you know i i think are, are you seeing that that a lot of people that that are experiencing trauma and pain in the market right now expected real estate to react much more quickly than it does oh yeah what's happening
2: is that i've seen people just Overpay for stuff. Clearly, right. overpay for stuff. But,
1: oh yeah, but that, but that, they ba- they they made it through the best and final.
2: They did. Yeah, they won the deal. <laughs> they won the deal. It's like, and, and I I could not say, so again. I only buy for cash flow. If I cannot right. cash flow that deal, walking into the deal, I will not do the deal. Right. Full stop. Absolutely. It. I w- I won't do it. Absolutely. Right? There's guys that. It's funny. I don't want to mention brokers. I I can't. So <laughs> no, we right. let's, let's, not, let's
1: let's not let's not let's not.
2: But so the broker calls me up and says like you know forty five a door for this deal and I'm like it doesn't even cash flow forty five a door. What are you talking about? Well, right. this other guy is going to pay forty five a door. Well, you better sell to that guy because yeah. Deal-
1: hurry up and call him back. Don't waste time right. with me.
2: Yeah, don't waste time with me because I'm not going to do it. Well, that was. That was probably eight months ago, and he got an adjustable rate mortgage on that. At three, he got a three and a half percent rate on it. Yeah. So you can yeah. imagine now he's getting freaking killed. Right. Forty five a door for the on uh, an asset that I literally eighteen months prior paid thirty k a door for the same product in the same right. market, like literally half a block away. He's going to yeah. pay fifteen grand more for the yeah. same product,
1: and, and put adjustable rate debt on. Yeah. yeah.
2: No man, you're gonna he's going to have a bad time, and you he's know I'm a bad time.
1: And the reality is, you know, I've heard people, I hear people say this all the time that have been in the business a long time. Patient money makes money. You know, if you're expecting your money to work for you today, the only money that's working for you today is the money you carry in your pocket to your job, right? That's the only money that's working for you today that's going to give you return on today. And that's just a straight exchange of time for money. Other than that, you've got to be patient. You've got to, this is not a, this is not a fast thing. It's not a get rich quick, right? But, it, and and knowing what the market's done, and this is the beauty of working with somebody like yourself, right? You've been in that market for a long time. You've been doing this since 2004. You've been, you, you know, you, you know what that market does. You know how it cycles. You know how it reacts. This is my fourth or fifth recession, right? I can't remember. You lose track. They all kind of start to look the same, right? But the reality is, I've been through market constrictions. i have I've bit I've bled on market restrictions you know but I've learned from that and I put myself in positions that don't get me there again and at the end of the day you you find your way through this and you learn you don't pay 45 a door but guess what patient money says that's coming back to the market minus the investors capital that invested the first time around at about 3250 a door that's just some real numbers that I probably know and that's likely to happen in the next 10 months So you missed out on eight months worth of pay and the broker's going to get paid twice. Who cares? Now you're in the money, right? That's right.
2: That's right. I mean, listen, for anybody out there, if you're not investing in real estate, you need to be investing in real estate. (laughs) Going into to your team. Well, we're biased your, you
1: know, Come on. You got to give us that, man. We're biased. But,
2: well, you, well it, it sounds biased. I know, I know, I know. But here's the thing. I mean, no one really, when, when I was doing corporate, no one grabbed me on the shoulders and shook me up and said, you need to do real estate. My, a friend of mine did tell me to do single family. At least I did that. At least I did right, something, right, right? Right, But here, here's here's what people understand. The job is the most expensive way to earn money yeah. ever, ever. Yep. Why? Because you're giving up. Your time, the only element you have on this planet, this is it. This is time. Right. It's the only right. thing you have and you're exchanging your life force for yeah. paper that's printed off of a printing press. That's right. what you're doing. And then the government comes in and taxes it mm-hmm. at like almost 60% at this point. Or at right. least it's going to go, it's going to be, I say 60 because you have income tax and you have all the right. sales taxes yep. that are there just to live, right? Yep. It's that to me sounds like it's ridiculous. Who wants to well, look like
0: that?
1: And you know, you know the other the other side of that too though, if if you're sitting there going okay, I have this expensive way to get started, right? And and I got started and I got a job and I put money away and now I now I can do these things and I can I can begin to make options happen for me, right? And, and okay, so you didn't listen right away, you still got around to it and and it doesn't matter when you get involved, it's the fact that you got involved, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and here's the other thing I'll tell people, look, you don't have to do real estate. Okay. You don't. In fact, I recommend you go out and try and prove real estate to be the worst thing you can do with your money. And I want you to look at the tax ramifications of, of how money works, right? What do you get if you invest in a, a venture capital fund and you and you find the next Google, right? Uh, what do you get if you if you do other investments? If you invest in stocks, and and what are all these different things? And and then just look at that and weigh that out, and then look at the tax ramifications. Look at what it costs you to spend that money. You know what what are you pulling it out? You know if you if you've invested in the stock market and and you bought it at two hundred, it goes to four hundred, and that's great. The only way you can spend that is to sell the asset off. Right? There's no cash flow with it. When you sell the asset off, you got taxes due. But go ahead and try and prove it wrong. You will come back to the conclusion that for the effort involved, real estate is probably the best tax advantaged cash flowing machine that will continue to spit off the same amount of money every single year, you know, or, no. or, or more, right? Uh, well, I'll, I'll tell you what, it's you could do it that way. And there's something that can even add
2: on another layer here, too. Look at the tax code, the tax code right. advantages. Right, real estate. Why? Who's writing this stuff? Right. Congressman. Well, A congressman. You don't see any broke congressmen. You don't see any
0: broke congressmen.
2: Well, you do. You do. They're the freshmen. They're the freshmen. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. But all of them have real estate. Every right. single one of them, and they want right. to protect it. That's what yep. they want to do. So all those laws are written in their favor. I mean, follow the money, man. That's So yeah. to do. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, yeah. And it's funny because that kind of stuff didn't really occur to me because I, right. I was working in corporate. I was kind of like, and like everyone else, like you're focused on what you got to do. Right? I'm focused on my my 40 hour and that's it. You know, and I'll tell you what, the 40, 40, 40 plan has never worked for anybody. It's never, it's yeah. never worked. You know, it's, they work for 40 hours. A week for forty years, and you had the paying. You only had forty percent of your money because the government stole sixty of it. It's like,
1: right. It's ridiculous. Right. Who wants to do and, that? And they've got, you, got you convinced. You got to go back tomorrow because you only have forty percent to live off. of, Right? That's right.
2: That's right. It's 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 a it's a vicious cycle. And that whole forty. It's funny that how the eight hours. I don't want to get into the whole history yeah. of but why it's eight hours, but. Uh, three even shifts on 24, right? That's right. That's yeah. exactly what it is. So yeah. done by Henry Ford, yeah. like, you know, what, decades ago, and yeah. here we are still doing the same thing. It's yeah. ridiculous.
1: man. It's outdated well, and, nonsense. And, you know, the, the the other thing too, I mean, look, you, you deploy the capital in any other asset, you're not going to be getting, you, You've got you've got to exchange the asset back into dollars to spend, right? Real estate is one of the very few things that pays you every single month you know my parents my dad retired mom and dad retired at 50 with cash flow right and and I we built some new buildings for them in 01 they still have those buildings right still got those buildings they got some of the original tenants they've done some tenant improvements they put a new roof on it they've done these kinds of things right triple net leases but you know. they're receiving the same lifestyle they're not receiving the same amount of money right because when they built those buildings gas was a dollar and chicken was 40 cents a pound right now gas is four bucks and and a chicken is a dollar and a quarter pound, right? So when you look at those things, but my parents are now getting two and a half times the rent they started with, right? So they're keeping up with inflation through that and and they they're receiving the same lifestyle exchange. That's what a lot of people don't understand, right? So if you're if you bought an IBM stock three, four, five, ten years ago. That IBM stock is there as soon as you want to pay the taxes, but is it going to provide you with the same lifestyle that those dollars that you put into it? We're gonna we're gonna give you, right? That's right. No, and not. of course, people miss that. But when you're when you're investing for cash flow, you're investing for the ability to go back to the mailbox the first of every month and pick up that same lifestyle because rents are going to go up, cost of living is going to go up, all of that kind of goes up continually. That's one of the things we do with all of our industrial spaces is we write in a CPI rider, right? Yeah. Which means that the rent's going to go up 3% and or CPI, consumer price index, every single year, right? It's, al- and it's, it's almost like you've done real estate before. I mean- it's- Well, you know, listen, don't tell anybody. It's only been about 27 <laughs> years, right? But but now, you know, last year we took an 8.7% increase on rents, Yeah. right? now. Yeah. The tenant complained it amounted to you know, $150, $200 on their space. It wasn't a ton, right? We, we do a lot of incubator space stuff, but it protected us, right? And now we're getting the same lifestyle that we had in January. We got this January, right? Because the tenant is incurring that cost, right? And it's all going to go back around. deal? Did you, a did you cut them a deal? Did you cut them a deal on that one?
2: Because because that that inflation just popped. So it, yeah, eight yeah. percent increase. Did you cut them a deal, or did you say no. sorry?
1: You got to pay. It. No, that's that's what it is, right? So they're at eight point seven percent. We're on course today this this year for five and a half, right? Wow. So they know that's yeah. coming. But here's what it does: the inflation goes to the guy that's manufacturing the product, right? We got a window tinted guy there. His price just went up ten percent, right? So now the guy getting his window tinted has got to go back to his boss or he's got to trade more of his time for that 10%. This circle goes all the way around until it comes back to me in a consumer price index increase that I then pass back to the tenant. But I'm the only neutral party in this because I've concocted, I've written my leases that way. And I got to tell you, nobody cared about our CPI rider for 20 years. Right. I've been doing this since, you know, since 90, 99, I did my first building with a CPI writer. Right. So I've been, nobody cared until now. And now everybody's losing their bananas over it, you know, but CPI has been 2.3, 2.8% for years, you know? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's right. No, we literally just, we just acquired a family dollar and the same thing happened there. The C2D, they, they only, it's going to pop up by 4%.
1: Right. That area. So yeah, it's like they're 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 bitching about it, but yeah. sorry it's- yeah. I mean, listen <laughs> and this is what I tell my tenants, you know, if you'd have signed a lease with me five years ago, okay, you'd have probably got in on 65, 75 cent rents. Today they're a dollar thirty, right? So you're coming to the end of your five-year lease. You're going to experience this slam in your business that's going to shoot your rents through the roof. Or you're going to take that gradually. And we're just going to continue that CPI rider on out. You're going to get to a dollar twenty easily. You're going to have passed that on to your to your customers. They're going to have gotten used to your price increases instead of you coming back and going, "Wow, my cost of manufacturing just went up thirty percent because my rent doubled." You know, so it it people don't like it, but it's also the the you know the ability to protect yourself and real estate gives you that right. That's right. And so, I so, think
2: everything you just said, you can't do it with stocks. You can't do it with Tesla stock, Apple stock, whatever. No. It's, and, and even if you did, you get nailed in, in uh, capital gains if you're going to go to sell that stock. It's, it doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. It's, right. That's why, again, buying a speculation doesn't make any sense. That, that Apple stock, you can see what it is today. What's it going to be in 30 days from now? You have no idea. But today, I just picked up a check in my mailbox. Right. And in 30 days, I get another check in my mailbox. And an Apple stock, you have no idea what it's
1: going to be in 30 days from now. Right. Like, why would you do that? Right. Totally agree. With that. right? That's right. Totally sense. agree. Yeah. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. So let's, let's kind of shift gears a little bit, you know, with, with your experience and, and what you've been doing and you, you know, we've been involved with this for a long time. Where do you see the markets going in the next 24 months? I think we're going to see, still see a lot of correction taking
2: place right now in the multifamily space, especially in the B and C type stuff. Obviously the, 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 the interest rates have a lot of people freaked out. And it's I think we were talking at the green room. Yeah, it's normal, quote normal, right? That's what the rates were before they were pushed all the way down. But now it's risen to a level that was considered normal, right? However, the adjustments haven't really caught caught holes yet, and you have a lot of people that overpaid for stuff, and they're going to have to do something with this. Like either they have to sl- fire sale them get right. rid of them, whatever. Like, right now, operations is king. You have to operate right. the hell out of that asset. Right. And what does that mean? Providing great customer service, making sure the assets are run properly, getting rid of all the fat, that type of thing. Right. If you're not doing that, you're doomed for failure. Bar none, that's it. Right. Our I'll development agree. business development business is still going going strong I mean we have certainly uh, we're f- we're seeing that equity as as far as retail equity is concerned is a little slower to come back to the table the deal's got to be a smoking deal just to get retail equity and retail equities, you know people with 50 100 200k those are, those sorts of people the big big equity they're still rolling cash in here like crazy right, right. so but, those but are the- why are they why are they doing that oh uh, the, the media the media hasn't freaked out you know, they, oh my God, oh, we're, we're going to a recession. Guys, guys, guys,
1: we're in a recession right now. <laughs> right. Well, but you know, they're, they're doing that because they're trying to convert cash, which is infl- being being eaten by inflation. Yeah. They're trying to convert it to hard assets. That's they right. know that if they put it in your deal, if they're getting 9% or 10% on paper, they're actually getting 15% because it's, yours is going to be inflation adjusted because that's what happens with rents, right? That's, that's right. what happens with, with product. But if it's just sitting in a bank account, they're getting four percent on the on the on the money market, and inflation is at five and a half percent. They're dumping, you know, one hundred and fifty basis points, right? Yep, so yep, they yep. know that they have to convert that. But the retail guys sit there going, ah, "I got to hold on to my cash because, I, you know, things are going to get better." You know, everybody that said that they wanted to wait to buy a house because it was going to get cheaper. The only people that are going to win that game are those that are paying cash for it. Anybody that got a mortgage. They would have been better off to buy the house at seven hundred thousand dollars at three percent than they are going to be to buy it at five hundred thousand dollars at nine percent. That's right. That's, That's just
2: math, right. right? It's just math. Yeah, and 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 many people just just don't do the math, you know. Unfortunately, yeah. But on the so on that on, on that in that line of business, like we're we're primarily doing deals where. There's some sort of a tax abatement, opportunity zone, like that's that's our like that's our wheelhouse right now. Because here in Cleveland, there's still a whole lot of upside in no. that type of asset, right? And then on the net lease business, we target very specific assets there, right? We're we're not like we're not buying the the five cap family dollar or the two cap stuff in California. We don't do stuff like that, yeah. right? Right. We're trying to we're trying to find those blend and extend type of deals, and I'll tell you what, and the last five deals we've done on our net lease in our lease business have all been owner-financed, yeah. five of them, the last five, right? Yeah. Because the, the lending is kind of crazy. So, And that's because the, the lending is where we're able to save some of the money, because that's re- it really when it comes to net lease, as you know, the only real, I guess, gear, the only, the only real lever you have. Is in financing. Like you can't right. really do improvements like you could on a multifamily or development, right? Right. So that's really the only level you have. So I, I think that we're seeing we're gonna see a correction there. We're already seeing prices actually come back down to normal, cap rates yeah. come back to that. That seven, eight type of thing for a dollar store, dollar general, dollar trees, typically, yeah. you know, four years ago is that when a seven, eight, nine percent, right. nine percent cap rate. Right. That was the norm. And we're getting back to that right now. So yeah, we just we're actually we're launching another fund right now, and we're doing we're, we're buying a bunch of those assets as we speak. Well, as
1: you know, when you when you look at it, you know you're you're you, what you're focused on, and this is this is a key point. If if you're listening, the seller's focused on price. You're focused on NOI, right? So the seller, the only way that he can get his price. Is to take that and say, well, I'll finance it for you. I'll do something special on this that allows you to get the NOI that's necessary for you to get the cash flow that's needed. I get my price, I just don't get it for 10 years. Right. And, and I, I would, I would wonder, I haven't sat down and done these calculations, but I would wonder if they just cashed out at the 8% haircut. I'm going to, I'm going to guess about what it is 8% haircut that allows you to buy it and finance it traditionally today and and then redeploy the capital if they wouldn't be in a better position or if it's if it's better to 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 do creative financing with you you know well, i've always wondered that but the reality is they want the price so you get creative right i mean this building here's an owner carry right same sort of deal they wanted a certain price and that's the only way we got there
2: yep yeah uh, well it's also tax advantage for them yeah right it's yeah. tax advantage and Here's the thing, What's a, the, the likelihood of you defaulting is zero, I know. But let's say for instance, Shannon defaults. Right. It goes right back to him. He gets to own the asset all over again. So he got to collect all the money all along the way and yep then he gets to foreclose on you and he owns the asset again. I mean, yep. there's a totally agree upside for, for the owner to carry. So yep. for anybody out there thinking about care, owner, owner carry back, it's like, there's plenty of people doing it because when times get tough the way they are right now, yeah, creative financing becomes king.
1: Absolutely, you know? and and being creative is is what it is, right? I mean, and and creativity comes from experience. So, yeah. you know that's the one thing I've learned is is that real estate is going to change, and if you're creative and you're smart and you can adapt well and you can and you can move quick, you're definitely going to be doing well in real estate. Yeah. Well, hey man, For sure. it's been great to have you on the show, guys. If you want to know more about where to find bulletproof cash flow, you can get that where you get your other podcasts, or you can us here at Shannonrobnet.com. And you can catch this episode on our website, find out more about what Agostino's doing in the Cleveland market and other markets all right here at the Real Estate Rundown. Thanks guys for tuning in. Thanks Agostino for being with me, man. I really appreciate the conversations we have. You bet, man. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. We'll see you guys next time on the Real Estate Rundown.
0: That's a wrap for today's episode of the Real Estate Rundown. Let these newfound strategies pave the way to start a successful career or a profound rebranding. If you loved everything you have heard, listen to more conversations at www.shannonrobnett.com and be sure to leave a rating, share it with your friends, and subscribe. Until the next episode.